Hello and welcome to Ways Women Lead, the podcast where remarkable female leaders share their personal journeys and offer valuable guidance on advancing your career as a woman in leadership. Join host Anna Gramadska and her guests as they delve into various aspects of leadership, including diversity, equity, and inclusion. This podcast is brought to you by Six Group, a global executive search and leadership advisory firm. Welcome to Ways Women Lead. My name is Anna Gromatska and I am your host. And today I have the pleasure to speak to Emmy Marietta. Emmy is a talent acquisition and employer branding leader with 15 years of experience in the technology industry. She's also the co-founder of the Feminine Leadership Circle which we'll have the opportunity to discuss and learn more about. So let me start with the beginning. Big question, but I think it'll nicely build the context to who you are and why you're passionate about leadership and DEI. So what is your leadership story? So that's an excellent start for our discussion. And I think because it kind of all started when I wasn't a leader by myself. But I looked up to other people who were leadership examples for me. And what was in common for those individuals was that they all possessed high emotional intelligence. Later on, I learned that that was actually the common factor. When I was, uh, of course, starting my career, I didn't really realize what was the sort of the spark that they all had. But the high emotional intelligence was really the thing for me in leadership that I I sort of picked up and what it means for everybody to sort of grasp the concept is that when some individual has high emotional intelligence, they can understand and and also reflect their own emotions and also emotions of other individuals. And they might be very receptive and, and also they tend to lean towards collaboration and communication. And, and that's... Um, pretty much, of course, the foundation of the feminine leadership that I started later on to, to sort of investigate. And, and that was really the whole beginning. But I have been working my whole career in very technology-oriented environments, in cybersecurity, in software-as-a-service companies. And those environments, they have quite traditional, quite masculine examples of the leadership. So it was actually quite hard for me when I entered the leadership position to sort of identify what kind of leader would I be because um, the examples weren't that close to my personal authentic style. So therefore, I sort of circled back into emotional intelligence and found out that actually there is a leadership style called feminine leadership and my personality leans towards that. And that sort of opened up the whole new world for me. And I was able to identify with something. And I wasn't the odd one out with my <laughs> feelings and, and personality style. And that was a big revelation for me. And also something that I now want to share with others. So maybe other people like me that have maybe similar style might lean towards that kind of uh, concept and learn that there is one. And I guess so that was the link that brought you to exploring this passion towards diversity, equity and inclusion, and also eventually setting up the feminine leadership circle. Maybe starting with diversity, equity and inclusion. Uh, you mentioned at the beginning that you've discovered that it is really important for you to see 
leaders who have emotional intelligence, it is something that I imagine you've been developing yourself as well. So how is it linked to diversity, equity and inclusion? And of course, what's diversity, equity and inclusion initiatives uh, you've been involved with or you've been leading that helped you to explore further the topic of uh, emotional intelligence and, and leadership? I think that the discussion has evolved a lot around diversity, equity and inclusion lately. And also, I think companies have started to realize that it's a needed thing for for business to have different kind of individuals in every layer of the company, from new joiners or or career starters to the all the way to the highest uh, leadership levels. And why is that different individuals have different strategies they can adapt because they have experienced a little bit different things throughout their life. So so different kind of backgrounds will bring variety in strategies and that will help company to to establish the best possible ways for for the decision making and and also for the initiatives it wants to take. So it's business critical to have different kinds of individuals to have the diversity equity and inclusion in place. It's not something soft that you can ignore when you don't have time for it, but it's actually really needed for the business. And my background is from talent acquisition and and discussing with with a lot of leaders who want to either gain new talent or move in their career. And I think diversity, equity and inclusion, it's now constantly being discussed. And also top leaders want to move into organizations that naturally respect those values. So if you want to gain top talent also in leadership level, you have to understand that it's really needed to have different kind of individuals and backgrounds in place. It tells you something about an organization when you see whether they have, let's say, diverse board or not, because it tells you whether they've been paying attention to it or not. And if they don't have a diverse board, what does it tell you? It tells you that maybe there might be a lot of biases. Maybe it's really difficult to come with different opinion, with different ideas, because everyone is the same and there is nobody to check you know, whether there is a bias. Maybe tell you that the company is a little bit old-fashioned because, because they're still not paying attention to it. And that means that you're missing out on potentially fantastic people who can really drive your company forward because you haven't paid attention to the subject of DEI. So I've been really curious to uh, finally ask you a question. Could you explain more about the feminine leadership circle? What it is? What is its purpose? Why did you establish it? Tell us more. It's really, really a passion project for me. So, so the whole concept of this feminine leadership circle was, was to establish an open community and network for talent who wants to lean towards feminine leadership style, which was more um, empathetic, uh, receptive style, leaning towards collaboration. And for that talent, the network that is built around the whole concept they can lean to is very critical to have because there you can find your allies who have similar values than you, who might have experienced similar challenges or or similar achievements in their life and career. And that can really elevate the leadership path and also help any individual to proceed into leadership positions or in their career as a whole. 
So it's an open network and community, and we have meetings, events, meetups uh, for different topics that usually people with that kind of leadership style share. And because that feminine leadership style is very receptive, people usually tend to have, uh, how would I say, highest expectations towards themselves also, because they sort of sense everything. So that might bring challenges like imposter syndrome or some other fears that individual might have that might hinder them from achieving the highest potential they might have. So even meeting around those kind of topics might help to unlock those issues that some individuals might carry with themselves, including myself, of course, because I, I'm not stranger to that kind of challenge. And also it's, it's good to, to sort of understand that leaders vary. There is somebody who is a bit more traditional leader that might seem a bit more masculine, but somebody might possess feminine qualities. And they can be quite gender neutral, actually. So feminine leadership doesn't mean that the person is identifying themselves as a female necessarily, mm -hmm. but it's more of a traits, psychological traits that person possesses. Could you give us a definition? What do you define as feminine leadership? I would say that the traits that are usually seen as feminine, so quite nurturing, collaborational, achieving for mutual understanding and and also empathy is it's very much the key to femininity i think mm -hmm. putting yourself to another person's position that's very much traditionally seen as feminine and there comes the feminine leadership style that people might naturally have and also i think that traditional leadership style is quite masculine so quite authoritative telling others what to do, being strong all the time, not showing emotions too much because that might be seen as a weakness. So that's very much like masculine side of leadership. And, and of course, it's not black and white thing. We are having both sides, but sometimes we lean towards other side and there aren't enough examples of the feminine leadership. So that's what we are trying to race and that's also something that i want to do with with the feminine leadership circle to bring out the individuals and bring them together and they can then see that i'm not alone with this kind of uh, authentic uh, style that i possess there are other people and leaders who are similar than me it's nice that you called it authentic uh, leadership style. I have that definition just to uh, help people to understand that there's no one leadership style. There are different leadership styles and, and they all can be equally good as long as you understand your effect on people and your effect on the organizations, you understand yourself. Exactly. And I think you are now really grasping the issue and, and also the, the like the key of the, the and the purpose of this uh, network and community, because it's not to say which style is better that that somebody needs to be a certain type of leader, but it's just to make individuals realize that if they don't fit to a certain leadership model and uncertain expectation, there is a different kind of model and different kind of area they could fit perfectly into. And there is no competition be between these sort of concepts. 
uh, because both sides have excellent leaders. That's like no question about that. But if you are not able to be yourself, how can you develop yourself? And also, how can others really trust you if they see that you are not fully yourself, you're not fully authentic? And building trust is the key thing for any individual themselves so they can progress. So if you are not able to adapt the style that's natural to you and you have to sort of adapt uh, a role, you're not building trust and that hinders mm -hmm. the person. So that's really also something that has been very beneficial for any uh, female leaders. You can build a network around you with like-minded individuals who might instantly understand what, where you are coming from and you can be truly yourself with, with all your fears and, and challenges and also achievements and victories with those individuals because they are all in the same page with you. And many senior leaders who I've been talking to, they were telling me when I asked them about their biggest learnings in their leadership journey, they were saying that one of them was understanding yourself because as you said, if you cannot understand yourself and who you are, you cannot lead authentically and you cannot instill trust from your people. And also another point, a lot of leaders were telling me that really, really helped them in progressing their career in, is being part of these groups. And interestingly, uh, in, in the recent podcast I was recording with incredible leader, senior vice president from Stellantis, Lorenz Noel, she was saying how for males, you, you've always been part of a network, right? Because the representation has always been bigger for, for male versus female. You've always had this huge network of people who are like you around you. And so for, for women, it's important to uh, be more proactive about around mm -hmm. finding this network. And so joining external networking groups. Uh, she also mentioned the importance of joining not only internal organization networking groups, but also external groups. Because of course, if you're outside of your organization, you can be a little bit more honest. You feel a little bit freer with sharing certain things, certain concerns, right? So she emphasized the importance of being part of professional networks internally within the organization and externally, because it can really help you to, to get the support, to get the advice for your professional and personal growth. So I have a question to you, because fortunately now we are at the stage where a lot of organizations understand that diversity is key for organizational growth. And so a lot of organizations are working towards building, fostering better diversity mm -hmm. across the organizations. It's not so straightforward though. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, uh, there are many initiatives and you're taking from, you know, education and training and quotas and, and, and uh, resource groups, et cetera, et cetera. What have been part of this network, being, uh, being the founder of this network, uh, you hearing concerns of women what advice would you give to organizations who want to support women at all levels? So it's not only graduate level, it's not only very senior level, it's very important to also target that middle level. What would you advise these organizations and these leaders who want to build initiatives that will help these women to continue to progress in their career? I think that at this moment, when we are all feeling that this is an important topic, we have to be very open and visible about it so i think organizations or leaders within organizations who want to promote diversity equity inclusion or female leaders or females in technology whatever the the great subject is they have to be very visible about it because otherwise no one will know that that's the value they they support so i think we need very open and clear communication about it 
So people who either belong to these perhaps minority groups or know somebody who might fit into that kind of uh, leadership culture, company culture, value culture, they have to recognize that, okay, this is a place for me or, or somebody I know or values that I represent. Because if we are silent about our values and things that we want to progress like DEI, no one will know. So we have to stay quite vocal and also people have to sort of, like you said, Anna, um, people have to be a bit more proactive in, in terms of finding allies and finding networks who support these uh, values. So I think that active work and vocal approaches are a good key to, to unlocking this to the outer world and also within the organization. Uh, I think we all know that internal communication is quite challenging at times. There are good things happening all the time, great initiatives, but, but if no one knows about it, then what's the, what's the stake in, in longer term? Okay, so make sure your message is very clear about your values and your intentions towards fostering stronger diversity. Make sure you communicate it internally and externally. So people who do recognize themselves, who do uh, feel they have similar values, they, they, they know of it. Exactly. Uh, and, okay. And um, something that you mentioned at the beginning as well, uh, it's really interesting. Uh, emotional intelligence. It's not an easy thing to develop. I think some people have it naturally, but you can always continue to develop it. Do you have any strategies? And, and I don't think it's a typical female characteristic. I think, you know, everyone really could benefit from from developing more of it because it's understanding of your own emotions and all the other people's emotions do you have any strategies you know a couple of advices that can help people of all genders and all backgrounds to to develop stronger emotional intelligence absolutely it's not an easy concept to to grasp but i think it might go aligned very well with the receptivity so once you stop the and think about how does the other person might feel right now? How do I feel? How do I come across to others? That's like the first step in terms of uh, building your emotional intelligence, understanding how you come across, understanding how other person might feel, and also understanding that your <laughs> expectation of other person's feelings might not be true at all. So, so there is sort of um, fine dance around the, the topic all the time going on. But I think that uh, one good practical uh, concept or process that anyone can adopt is, is asking yourself frequently, what did I do well? What brought me joy? What was the thing that brought me good emotions and stability? And also asking that from others, what brought you joy? What brought you balance? And then you can start learning about yourself and from others. And with those very easy questions, you can actually mm -hmm. start building your understanding of emotional intelligence. Because when you do it repeatedly, you will have a slightly different answers depending on your, your current situation. And that can really bring self-awareness to you uh, in, in any situation. You mentioned something also important at the beginning is understanding how people perceive you because you might have a completely different impression of what you come across. 
So I guess it is really important to be able to give and receive feedback as well and, and, and to be genuine about it and, and honest about it. Uh, that's another lesson that I've been hearing from, from a lot of leaders. You know, I, I think I've been coming across this way, but actually when you speak to people, that's not the impression I've been giving. And the way they perceive me is important, mm. not the way I think I'm being perceived, because in the end, the way you are perceived is the effect you are having on other people. Exactly. And uh, also what was mentioned in the beginning was the imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And if you don't hear feedback and, and don't seek for it, you might develop all kinds of fake memories mm -hmm. and, and think that I, I didn't succeed at all. And some people might have felt that this was a waste of time with me. And, and those kind of thoughts and I would call them fake memories, actually. They start mm -hmm. to push you back and you start to trust that mm -hmm. more than mm -hmm. what was the real situation because you didn't seek for feedback. And also when receiving feedback, what I always tell, tell other, especially female leaders, is that if someone compliments you, just take it and say thank mm -hmm. you. And don't mm -hmm. start to say immediately that, oh, that was nothing really. I didn't do anything mm -hmm. important here and, and maybe mm -hmm. I don't deserve this at all. Just say thank you and <laughs> move on. Is this, um, is this something that female in, in, as part of your network ask a lot for help with uh, imposter syndrome? Is this something that you see women struggling a lot with? Yes, I think that has been one of the most asked topics to to mm -hmm. to sort of circled around with it. And, and people have been asking frequently, how can I get help from imposter syndrome if I suffer from that? Mm -hmm. So I think the female leaders I have been discussing with, they recognize that, hey, I, I, I might have this symptom, but they don't know how to overcome it. And we've had events mm -hmm. where other female leaders have been giving real life examples of, of the situations where they have first felt that they are affected by imposter syndrome, but they have been able to build tools or processes uh, how to overcome it. And the most simple practical example is that if you are entering into a meeting or presentation and, and you are presenting yourself don't immediately add that I, might, I didn't have time to prepare at all. So I'm sorry forehand about this upcoming presentation that I'm about to have. Or, or if, mm -hmm. if the person notices a typo, the person doesn't have to brought it up by themselves immediately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like mm -hmm. being over honest is also part of the, of the imposter syndrome that you are, want to be so honest about everything that you start to really uh, like pull the carpet from uh, under your foot in these difficult things. Yeah. Uh -huh. So what should you do instead? Uh, just not mention it and smile and <laughs> not ever mention it. Just smile <laughs> because and other focus. people, yeah. And focus on the, on the subject because other people want to, to sort of build trust to the presenter to the leader to any any subject matter expert and they feel challenged if the person doesn't allow them to start building that trust and if the expert constantly mentions all the mistakes or or, or other uh, things that were affecting their performance the audience is not able to start building trust 
and the bridge is not sort of uh, built. So one should never start to mention their mistakes during the presentation or a big meeting or, or, or in a situation where they want to build trust with others. What are the typical symptoms of imposter syndrome? Uh, how, how, how would you define it? Do you find that women didn't know they experienced it and they found out they experienced it through, let's say, attending the, the network events, for example? I think that some individuals might have felt that they don't have courage to progress. They are too afraid to, for example, seek for another higher level position because they feel that they don't possess all the qualities, even though they might actually do, and they might be very capable, but they, they might have that false uh, understanding of their own capabilities that they cannot. And usually people recognize that I have this kind of mentality that I cannot do something, but they don't know how to overcome it. And, and also not seeking out promotions, positions. That's one very common symptom of the imposter syndrome, lack of courage or lack of courage to speak in public or, or raise your voice in meetings and that sort of things. People sort of tend to leave, leave themselves in the background, even though they would have so nice things and, and very important things to say, but they are quite afraid to use their voice because they are in a fear that they don't really have the expertise or qualities to, to be visible. So now looking at the statistics, right, women, as you said, they are less likely to apply for promotions or, or for jobs where they don't meet 100% of criteria. That makes me think every single woman <laughs> should now sit down and check with themselves because I imagine a lot of women don't know that they have it. Otherwise, these statistics wouldn't exist, right? So my exactly. shout out would be now to every single woman to sit down and check with themselves. <laughs> have, I, have I had this imposter syndrome, which stopped me from applying for promotions that I should be applying to and contributed to these statistics? Exactly, exactly. And that's why, for example, in, in the network of feminine leadership circle, we have quite many career experts and, and uh, talent acquisition professionals telling how to recognize your hard skills, also your soft skills, and how to be vocal about them without feeling that I don't really possess these qualities. They are just in my CV by an accident or, or something like that, but just to own your own professional background and your capabilities and, and have the courage to seek out any promotion or or higher level position that's being uh, offered or, or being out there for your grasp. So uh, we won't be able to discuss all of it, but could you give us two practical advice that women can do today to uh, recognize whether they have the imposter syndrome and, and do something about it? Well, I think that one like very practical way to approach this would be to open up LinkedIn and check open positions and see what kind of open positions would you apply into? Are they high enough for your mm -hmm. professional background, for your profile? 
or are you really lowering yourself and constantly seeking for for something that's very already aligned with everything you have done five years ago so for example checking what you think about what you could achieve and do based on on for example open open jobs that are out there uh, that's one good example and also asking from others that hey what do you think i'm capable of what could be my next career step anybody can ask that from 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 a friend or seek out some professional or talent from from linkedins or, or other networks that they possess that might have similar career stage or might have been promoted from the similar career stage and ask their advice uh, because i've noticed that people love to help others if you just ask usually people love to help you so seeking out some professional who might have similar journey than you've had uh, and ask them that hey what do you think about my situation should i move to a certain position and and have you felt similar situations in your career and what decisions did you make i think uh, yeah i think you remove your own criticizing bias that way when you ask someone else can i apply for this position or not what do you think and and if i do want to do i need to gain any extra expertise experience or, or can i just go for it i i think that's a good way to to finish and, and good nice advice for everyone to take today thank you very much for for your time it's been an absolute pleasure to discuss all topics leadership feminine leadership with you thank you very much for joining me thank you so much anna it has been a pleasure to be here thank you so much that's it for this month's ways women lead episode but there is plenty more insightful and actionable advice from where this podcast came from Check out our website on www.6-group.com if you'd like to know more about how to build and develop diverse, inclusive and effective leadership teams and how to progress your career as a leader. See you next time.